This is I Doubt It with Dollamore, with hosts Jesse Dollamore and Brittany Page, a podcast dedicated to free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. It's like I just came back from commercial or something, right? That's how it felt to me. <laughs> I am Jesse Dollimore, your venerable host. Uh, it's back. Of I Doubt It with Dollimore. Sitting snarkily across from me is the lovely yet vocal Brittany Page. Lovely and vocal. Lo- lovely and vocal. Indeed. That is right. There's no more apt description of you than lovely and vocal. Right. Yeah. Also probably um sickly still applies. Yeah, you you it's like you have Ebola or something. Yeah, you're, I'm you're still just, not recovered. You're not getting over it. Yeah, it's not happening. It's not working. Your normal jovial laugh that you're unable to control has turned into snotty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How that laugh, dare you? You witnessed uh, you looked at maybe the stupidest meme that has ever been created and instead of that ha, that crazy laugh of yours i heard wet <laughs> wet snot projectile snot flung across the room oh i can't believe this is happening um it did happen <laughs> yes but the meme was very funny the meme was not that funny no it was very funny listen it was a meme of robert downey jr with his hand over his heart and this oh thank god kind of a look on his no, face. no it was more like surprised like thankful yeah i just said that okay and the meme, the meme said that feeling you get when Daryl is alive at the end of an episode of, Walking, of Dead. Walking Dead. Yeah. Not that funny. Well, it's funny to me because I feel that way. I always say if Daryl dies, then I'm not watching the show anymore. And I'm getting so- ready to not watch the show anymore if they don't fucking kill Carl. <laughs> but listen, we're not gonna this we're not gonna do this. This isn't gonna be Talking the, Dead. The fucking Walking Dead podcast. Because I'm sure if you're into that sort of thing, there's probably a hundred and fifty fucking shows that you could go check out right now. Yeah, I'm sure. I do want to talk about before we go any further, a couple things as our, our intro topic. One involves a debacle. Of a food delivery last night. Oh, a debacle. I, I am a, I am a colossally lazy man. Mm-hmm. So when I set my mind to have Chinese food delivery delivered, it is because I don't want to leave the house. Also, once you make that decision, your heart is set on it. You want yourself some Chinese delivery. Yeah, it was, it was pajama time. Yeah. <laughs> last night. And we ordered the food. She says, and I made a joke about it when it happened. She says, it'll be there in 42 to 45 minutes. She left herself a three-minute window for the food to be delivered. So I thought, oh, you know, 45 minutes. Great. Well, 45 minutes after the 45 minutes had expired, our food arrived. An hour and a half it took to get the food. Right. And the, the the white food delivery chick lamented at how busy it was, but how great it was for her that it was so busy. 
And I, yeah, okay, you know, fuck, okay, just give me the food. I don't, we don't need to become best friends. <laughs> so I got the food. I signed for the food and put, you know, she ran away as fast as her little legs could carry her. And I didn't really understand why until I turned around and grabbed the food from the table. And it was leaking everywhere. There's still a giant all over the granite on the island in there. There's still sticky. You didn't do that great a job cleaning it up. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm, I'm making just... <laughs> a face at you right now. Like, wait, I, I'm pretty sure I cleaned it no, up. It's still super. Sticky. I did not clean it. All right. All right. Sorry about that. So. So anyway, what a it, it was a mess. There was soup. There was soup in the entrees all over in the rice it was a mess somehow the soup got in every single other thing that we got yeah yeah it's almost as if they put the soup they dumped the extra soup that they made into the entrees because it wouldn't fit inside the fucking <laughs> yeah. bowl so anyway so i'm panicking i'm like do you want me to do you want me to go get her real quick you want me to run outside and and i couldn't read what you were just so frustrated with what had just transpired i was silently fuming it was building the anger and rage inside me was building right so you're just like let's get in the car let's go drive there and so we tried to put everything back in the bag, but we realized that it was just leaking everywhere. I mean, there was no way to do that. So we just got a bucket and we put the whole bag of right. food in a I bucket. Grabbed, I grabbed the biggest salad bowl, popcorn bowl that I could find. And I just put the whole bag of food into the, into the, into the, the bowl. And we took off and went to the Chinese spice. And here's what I kind of want to address. I'm a guy who I don't have many modes. I'm super nice guy, amicable, friendly, get along guy, or I am raging, complete asshole because I don't know how to, there's no transition for me. There's no ability for me to meter you know you know what i mean in other words jesse's not a normal person well maybe not but i but the, here's the thing i'm almost always the nicest guy in the world because i know i don't want to be asshole guy and there is no really kind of in between so i have uh, several different modes of operation yeah yeah you do so on the way there i'm getting more and more and more and more angry that this, because I'm analyzing it, this is not, this defeats the entire purpose of ordering food. That now I'm in my car driving to the place that I didn't want to go to in the first place, having to deal with this issue. So we get there and the rage and hellfire that I was going to rain down on them was completely evaporated as soon as we walked in the door because she was the nicest fucking lady who's ever lived. Right. She was super, she was mortified and petrified by what had happened. And they immediately, they offered, well, first they're trying to save the sale. Oh, well, we'll, we'll sell it to you for half price, but we'll make you brand new stuff. And I'm like, I'm just too seeing red. I can't do it. I said, no. Anyway, suffice it to say, they refunded our money and we went left with nothing and ended up having a delicious Thai dinner. What ended up being probably better than what we would have had except for i was in basketball shorts and a t-shirt and hadn't combed my hair or <laughs> anything the entire day i don't think i even showered yesterday he was like a ragamuffin yeah it was terrible right so 
I guess I just wanted to talk about the that that place where you walk in ready to just fucking unleash the fury of hell and you're immediately emasculated. Your anger is emasculated by the sweetness of someone who barely speaks English and really is about as apologetic. Just her eyes were were apologetic. It was right. terrible. Right. So that that happened. The other thing that happened, I want you to talk about because you were, you, oh my God, I, I can't even express your confusion and horror. A lot of the stories that we tell on the show in the onset, at the top of the show in our intro segment, are us in grocery stores because it <laughs> seems like we spend, it seems like we spend 75% of our lives in some grocery store or another. And this happens to be an Albertsons. Yeah. <laughs> but we're shopping, doing our thing. And I see this guy skateboarding. Yeah. Okay. Take it over. And I'm... In the store. Yeah. Skateboarding. In the store. Like by the milk aisle, by the butter. He's just skating through the aisles. And I was looking at him because he's over 18. I, I think they were around early, 21 to er, 22. Yeah, early 20s for sure. And... He was certainly too old to be skateboarding through the store and acting like a... Yeah, five years old is too old to be skateboarding through the store. Right, and he just looked like a thug, you know. And then he had a friend with him who was pushing a cart, and I recognized him because of his large ears, but then... And what... his goofy bebop and walk. He was, he was happy to be alive. He loves himself. Oh, and yeah. so then he passed by me... And the most prominent thing displayed on his body is a giant swastika tattoo covering his entire calf. If you've seen the movie with Edward Norton, American History X, that giant swastika tattoo on his chest, this was bigger than that. I was going to, it was at least 50% bigger than that because it was on his calf and prominent and brand new, freshly shaved calf. Bright black ink. It was brand fucking new. Right. So these were two white guys that really looked like white supremacists. I was already kind of making that judgment in my head that they kind of looked like that. And then I saw his tattoo and just I was skinhead douchebags. Right. And I just my jaw dropped. I mean, I was in complete shock that someone was walking through the grocery store in Orange County, California with a giant prominently displayed swastika tattoo on their leg. Yeah. And that's just insane to me. It's 2014. Well, you you physically stopped right in front of the butter. You stopped and just pondered at the ludicrousness of the entire situation. Right, and I think they were turning around and looking at me, and I didn't even care because I was just in such shock that I couldn't believe... like. If they would have come up to me, I probably would have been like, you have a swastika tattoo on your leg. You know that, right? Is there... <laughs> what What's going on here? You didn't You didn't pass out at a party with your shoes on, did you? And your friends just made a joke of you. Because yeah. Because that's happening down there. Like, that's a serious thing to walk around <laughs> with on your leg. And then we saw them coming out of the store as we were driving away, and they were... Oh, yeah. This they were is chugging the, a Sunny D. Yeah. That's, the, that's the, the icing on the cake that they're drinking uh, welfare juice. Sunny Delight. It was like the biggest thing of Sunny D I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> They're just chugging the Sunny D on their skateboard, walking out with their swastika. It was just so fitting. Yeah. 
terrible. Well, it's I guess my question to the audience would be because um, I I was asking myself this this morning. It's okay to hate that guy, right? Because I was not <laughs> I was not uh, if he had looked at me because I was hating him actively hating him through my looks and my eyes. Um, I think it's okay because I I can't help it. I fucking hate that guy. It was very, it's very disgusting. That's why I said if they would have said something to me because I was staring, I would have just been like, you have a swastika tattoo. Like, that's, that's insane. Right. I mean, what are you doing? Well, what's odd about that, that whole movement is that guy probably feels superior to blacks and Jews and other races when he is as (laughs) he's, he's a piece of trash. He's, right. Well, he's a terrible human being who 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 has a lower intellect. He's he's not a model Third Reich kind of guy. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I always say this about white supremacists because they they tend to believe that they are superior, that blacks and other races are not as educated, are not as intelligent, right? Not as capable as white people, and then they walk around skateboarding through the grocery store uh drinking sunny d (laughs) with giant swastika tattoos obviously they i mean i wonder what his job is how does he make money is he really that intelligent he has a swastika tattoo i mean these these are people who believe that barack obama is a lesser specimen than them right harvard educated barack obama just because he's black and it's like no barack obama is Far superior right. than you with your swastika tattoo and your uh, giant jug of Sunny D. Ignorant. All right, we got to move on. Uh, well, sound off about that. If you have something to say, 657-464-7609. If you think those guys are right, swastika boy, I would love to hear it. Although I don't think, one, our audience would be the type. And two, no one would have the courage to come out and try to argue their point that would be so funny if there was like a group of white supremacists that love the show secretly (laughs) and then they hear this story and they're just crushed that we are not we're their guilty pleasure yeah so speaking of black guys (laughs) (laughs) oh that was good um we have a follow-up this is the call we didn't get to last episode um but and it kind of relates to the topics we've been talking about relative you know to the the point of of being embarrassed or made a spectacle in public. And uh, here we go. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. It's Austin from Boise, Idaho. Just calling to uh, give my account of some ways that my situation has been deemed different or special, just alluding to a theme that you guys were talking about in your latest episode on the uh, on the show. Um, you know, you had your friend who was the slightly darker Hispanic gentleman and the, the bland gal from, from over in Europe. Um, and you guys know me, you know, you guys know how I look and whatnot, but, uh, those of you who don't know, I'm half African American and living in Boise, Idaho, which is largely, uh, Caucasian in population. You know, I, I've dealt with that stuff all the time. Um, most recently, I was sitting down at a uh, local friendly bar here in Mulligan's, enjoying a pint of beer with a couple buddies, and there was this gal who, she seemed to, like she knew me, she she acted like she knew me, like we were old friends, 
and middle-aged gal, and I'd never seen this woman in my life. And she walks up to me, and she goes, oh, my God, I love your hair. And, you know, to paint a better picture, I've got a pretty massive mane of, of flowing locks going to this point. And she just proceeds to put her hands all up in my hair. And, you know, it's, it's that kind of like unwanted attention and unwanted um, feedback on my personal appearance or something that makes me a little unique. And, yeah, I've got different hair, and I'm not the norm when you walk around downtown Boise. But it's it's like this uh, this recognition that, you know, yeah, this makes you different. This sets you apart from everybody else. And it's not fair. It's not cool. Um, people who do that, you know, like you said, douchebags, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't really enjoy that aspect of my life um, when I'm called out for being different because of a trait or an attribute that I really largely don't have much control over. The hair, a little ridiculous right now, but um, yeah, there there are often scenarios like that. So that is insane. Well, I think part of it, and I know Austin well. I love Austin. Austin's a a special human being to me. I he's a fucking awesome guy. Super, super smart. Anyway, I'm not gonna SSD on the radio here, but um, some of this I think could be chalked up to the inhibitions that get created by alcohol because he's in a bar. I hope so. I was gonna say it's just insane to me that someone would feel comfortable going up to another human and touching them no, in that way. I, see, here's the other that you led me right into it. Here, that's the other thing. I think this is kind of common. What? Well, I know women who are pregnant, and they you have to always be on guard. And I'm not saying Austin is a pregnant woman, but it's akin to it, that you're pregnant, and people feel very comfortable touching your stomach. What? Oh, yeah. Talk to some of your friends. Talk to your friends who have recently had kids. It's something you have to, or this is another thing. Your baby is in a, in a, in a, in a, a car seat, like in a grocery cart. And people feel very comfortable touching your baby. What? Yes. Very, it's a weird thing. People, no. fucking loop. This is unbelievable. This is I've never heard about the, any of this. Well, you are one who is not going to ever have kids, and you will never know. But... Well, I also don't like being touched in public, so maybe I just radiate the don't touch me kind of a thing. The RBF. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. You for sure radiate it. Yeah, I do. <laughs> it's taking care of biz, apparently, because I do not get touched. Well, let me tell you, these are common things. And Austin, I've seen pictures. I haven't seen him for years, but I've seen recent pictures. And he does, he's not doing his flowing, his mane. It is like a big black lion's mane. It's, it's, it's a lot of going on. So it is, it, it, it sets him apart. So he is making somewhat of a choice to not have a an average haircut. But that doesn't give someone the right to physically put their fucking mitts on him <laughs> without his permission. And people are just gravitating toward the main. Yeah, it's weird. You know? So that is it. It's akin to the, the, the making a spectacle. Because, look, he's there with his friends. He's there with his buddies. He doesn't want any attention from the bar hag who wants to manhandle him or hag handle him as it were anyway i feel for you brother i feel for you that's fucking terrible what you should have done was thought acted like you thought you were being attacked and then call the bouncer over and just have her just kick the fuck right out of there what a great idea 
So last episode, we talked about the chicanery that uh, Pharrell and Robin Thicke have been in relative to their legal troubles with the estate of Marvin Gaye and the two songs. I played the clips, and I am lucky enough to have in studio with me right now Mr. Dan Bailey, who is, and I, I'll, uh, I'll do the, I'll toot your horn so you don't have to, but he has, he has drummed with and toured with many well-known top 40 acts. And we'll just leave it at that. I'm not going to go through your fucking resume because I'm a lazy, I'm a lazy turd, but (laughs) many, many, many top 40 big names that household names. Sure. Some of which I'm not a fan and many of which I am. So we'll we'll leave it at that. But I wanted your take, your expertise on this relative to the technical nature of of both the the, the two tracks, but also the difference between or maybe not the difference between, but because there is a difference between plagiarism and copyright infringement. Right. So so what well, kind of kind of guide me through that cuz you know I'm a dumb guy and I I need sure. it spelled out for me. Sure. And, and the the troubling part is the obvious, you know, like being an author, uh plagiarism would stem from if you were to use the same verse lyrics in two songs, that's obvious plagiarism the same way that uh, you know you would if you wrote a novel and lifted a paragraph from someone else's right, novel. Right. So like if I write that's a song that's fuck the, most, the police coming straight yes, from the underground, you would be ripping off NWA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's problematic because the the two tracks they're they're the exact same tempo, which means they went through the time to tempo match the two tracks. Yeah, they looked up like. Marvin Gaye's got to give it up is, you know, I, I honestly have no idea. It's, you know, 98 BPM or, nine, you know, 102 BPM. And that means they set a metronome to that track and said, we want our track to be exactly this speed. Yeah, yeah. Okay, which is a completely normal thing because tempo has to do with the, the pacing of lyrics. And that, that's completely it's normal. it's not just that, though. No. it's many it's, songs any, are 98 BPM It's, it's or exactly like in a murder trial. Oh, there's, there's, we're getting, we're getting there's, good now. There's 20... <laughs> You know, if there were there were two pieces of circumstantial evidence, that has nothing to do with anything. There's 25 pieces of circumstantial evidence. That, right, like, right. OJ probably did it. You know, is what. So, <laughs> the problem, the, the the bizarre part is that both Robin Thicke is an incredible performer, and Pharrell is as prolific a songwriter as we've had in the last 20 years. Yeah, so, yeah. It, you know, him. I, and, I would agree with one of those. Yeah, sure. sure. You know, Robin Thicke can sing, but but. Pharrell is For, Pharrell is I mean he, is he him he's with the brains behind him, this operation him Ryan Tedder Max Martin Doctor Luke that's your four pop songwriters of the last forever like they're they're the yeah. most they're the dudes making all the money because they're really talented so it's bizarre that he, they would make a choice to be too close to the original track because all the time it's like hey man we have this uh. There's a like for me drum bass. You know, you're you're in. You're usually the first thing that gets recorded on a song. You know, like you right. figure out the rhythm section. You do everything else. And if you listen to because that drums sets the bass, time. For yes, the rest yeah, of the, and, yeah, and and that's that's your building blocks. You're like once you have right. that, then you start to stack stuff on top. It's it's really bizarre because you listen to like the the drum and bass part, and it's literally identical. It's the same. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not like inspired by, which is completely fine because that's paying homage to. Right. Well, the there's, same. A, there's a Diet Coke commercial right now that for any of you who have sat inside of a movie theater, and it's, but die. I should play it. I tell you what. Here's what it is. It's so good to see you. Thank you. 
So that's not exactly the Pharrell no. happy song at all, no. but it, it has that same vibe. It kind of gets you into that same thing, and it's it's well within the for sure. That's inspired, of, by yes, and it's in, where, in the allowances of the copyright law. So yeah. with the clip that I played that goes back and forth between mm-hmm. the two artists, that it's it could have been one song and no one would have the, known. I mean, it's that close. The Marvin Gaye song and the Robin Thicke song, if you muted the vocal, is the same track. Yes. That's the issue. So, same if thing you were that to, Vanilla if, Ice did. Yes, exactly. And and he claimed dun, that he moved... He moved that he... He claimed that he moved... He moved the one bass note. Yeah. <laughs> it's not enough. And, and Roger Taylor has... Uh, and, and, several and million dollars yes, because yeah, yeah. of probably. The, the, the surviving members of Queen have every right to that track. The right. same way is... Uh, uh, a great example. No, no, it wasn't Queen. It was no, it was Queen, and it was under pressure. Queen and David Bowie. Da- Sorry, David uh, Bowie. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Right, right. Uh, under pressure. Uh, this uh, the best example is uh, uh, the Verve doing uh, uh, Bittersweet Symphony, and they lifted that string part from uh, a Rolling Stones track. You're way too smart. I have no fucking idea what. Okay, that but is. It, if you, like, I, I believe what you're this saying. This is a this is a big <laughs> a big lawsuit that happened in the '90s because the the Verve sampled. A Rolling Stone string, string track that they perf- they own that performance for, right? And so the Verve, this is Bittersweet Symphony, is one of the biggest songs in the '90s, you know, radio wise. And Mick they Jagger's just... making money on that track, right, right. because he used without permission. So that's is, a lot of it's the permission. So is that really what it is? It's, it's yes, not not the permission part, but that's it's they're trying to use a a formulaic track that they know works and they know. Has a nice hook to it, sure. So, it, it, so, but they want to use it so they don't have to pay the I, other person without. So, if they if they can get away with it, they're not going to have to pay royalty to the other side. I I feel like uh, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and and think it's a little more innocent than that. Obviously, yeah. Pharrell grew up on Marvin Gaye music, sure, as we all did. Um, I I feel like they're like, man, I'm trying to capture that feeling in my songs. Like huh. that that's just really like. Obviously, people connect to it, and they, they feel this like, especially that song has this incredible kind of you know dance club oh yeah vibe like that dance hall kind oh, of oh dude uh, yeah. Soul Train nineteen seventy four that's that's the shit like so sure you're trying to get that's what you're trying to capture by doing a top forty dance song huh. is you're trying to get that the same way as you're listening to like you know Michael Jackson Don't Stop Till You Get Enough and that was the template for your song you're trying to arrive the right. problem is there's inspired by and there's like. Man, Quincy Jones production on this is amazing. Let's try to, You're and then there's, <laughs> let's verbatim do a track and change the vocal. Like right. there's, and everyone I've ever worked with is is smart enough and and uh, like uh, has enough respect for the original artist to like, man, I love that song, and it would be great if our song could end up like an in, homage. Yes, if we could, certain aspects of that song existed in our song, it would be it would make our song better. But they're not trying to take right, right, what right. makes that song like on a bass level that song and and verbatim rip it off. Yeah. Well it's and clearly that was yeah, that the and entire I, I, line running through that tune yeah, was Yeah, it's it's the the drum part is exactly the same, the percussion track is exactly the same, the bass part is exactly the same. Chord structurally wise it's exactly yeah, the same. Yeah, yeah. It's and when I heard that track, having grown up my my folks listening to like, you know, AM Gold, you know, I I was Right. Born in 1981, so uh, uh, freaking Yacht Rock and like Soul Jams is like what I grew up on. And so I grew up on Marvin Gaye's catalog and Al Green and like, so I heard that track. I'm Unfortunately, like, I grew up on Merle Haggard, so. Hey, but 
kind of, man, of all the country artists, Merle right, is one, of the, sure, one of the greatest. Sure. Um, but it, I happen to have grown up on it, so I, I immediately recognize that that's a Marvin Gaye track. Yeah. Like, well, that's awesome. And, and it's one of his three famous tracks. I mean, you're, you're not even pulling from like a Marvin Gaye B-side. Yeah. You're pulling from one of his three or four or five really big hits. Yeah. And it's, it's really problematic to do that. And you're always, that's the, what we were talking about off mic is that the problem is it's really hard to prove music plagiar- uh, or copyright issues uh, without it being full-on lyric pl- plagiarism is the only thing that's really like nut, you know, point A goes to point B, really obvious. Uh, because it's it's art. It's like, did Picasso inspire an artist that came 20 right. years later who came, right. did kind of a similar thing? He's not ripping off, but it's, you know, he, was, he grew up on it. Whereas, so if the fact that the court wants to move forward... On this, you, most of these things see trial and get thrown out. So, so they, the fact they, they want it... There means that there's some... Yeah, there's something really going on if they're going to move forward, because usually it's not worth it. And that's interesting, because I thought, like, yeah, fuck, of course they're moving forward, goddamn. Right. But apparently, it's It doesn't not happen that often. Yeah. Speaking, like, off the top of my head, the only, the next one I can think of is that the Verve, Verve song. Yeah. And, and, like, off the top of my head, I don't have another instance where it's like... In the front of my brain, I would have to go research it. That so it doesn't awesome. happen that often. Yeah. So the fact that they're going forward with it and the court isn't just throwing it out means there's something to this. Which, again, is super unfortunate because it's a talented crew. I'm, I imagine whoever else like co-produced the track and engineered it like are all really talented guys because the track sounds great. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's, it's really bizarre that they... Because everyone... And there's naked ladies in the video. You know, whatever sells units. That's in this day and age. Yeah, uh, it, it's really it's really troubling because there's so much talent involved in the track. The same way there was so much of of you know Marvin Gaye's crew, incredible musicians and oh, songwriters yeah. and engineers. Those tracks are timeless. So the fact that, that everyone's walking a line, especially in like the the pop dance pop world, of there's a little bit of homage happening at all times. So the fact that. They walked that line and got too close. I don't know if you know, like maybe they didn't realize how close they were getting until it was too late, or I, I don't, I don't know because yeah, I was not yeah. a session. Sure, but, sure. But it is bizarre that it, it got that close to where it's like, okay, like <laughs> there's there's well, some legal ramifications. Listen, to this. well, I guess we'll we'll just wait and see. Yep. What the court decides. Thanks for coming in. Thanks it's, for having it's me. Super great. I mean, I'm. We don't get a lot of celebrities. <laughs> In the palatial Orange County, I doubt it with Dollamore Studios, <laughs> this might be a first. So, well, I broke it in. You're now gonna, you're going to have more. You're yeah. going to have to be. Well, listen. Here's the deal. A lot of news outlets have their correspondents. Yeah. And Taylor Swift was busy this week, so she was going to be our chief music correspondent. She actually called me to see if I could sit in for her That's because so we're great. real good friends. So listen, as T- everyone knows. Listen, T Swift. Thank you and your terrible, shitty music that's ruining the fucking country and the world. Thank you for steering the wonderful... He's cringing right now. He is sitting across from me. He's actually already left the room. I'm thinking about leaving only because I have enough friends involved in that camp that are all really talented. Obviously, he didn't say that. That's me being funny, jokey guy. Anyway, you you are now uh, de facto... Our music correspondent, even though we never cover this kind of shit. When so it in happens, 70 more episodes, I'll be right. back. Yeah. yeah, because this is episode 71, like, when in yeah. another 70 episodes, you uh, we're going to have you back. See you in the middle we'll, of next year or something. We'll, we'll be talking about <laughs> something, some, who knows, maybe Freddie Mercury will come back from the dead. Oh, we can only be so lucky. Oh my God, can you imagine? <laughs> All right, listen, thank you very much.
we appreciate you coming in. And uh, until uh, next time. All right. Well, that was some great information. Yeah, he's a he's a good guy. Uh, very well, also interesting because he that's kind of a, a world, a subculture that mi- most people have no idea how it works. Right. And he's he's, you know, being a that's what he does for a living. Right. It's it's interesting. So it's like me. I have no idea related to anything in music except for whether or not I like it. Yeah. You <laughs> We'll just leave it at that. I'm a great singer. <laughs> Dollamocracy 2016. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So, uh, we are getting closer and closer every episode that transpires. Every episode that we pass closer to the presidential election of 2016. Even though we're in 2014, the, the the cycles for election are getting longer and longer and longer, which gives us great fodder for wonderful entertainment. I'm so excited. Well, our first, we have a couple here, but our first story is recently George W. Bush, actually this morning, George W. Bush sat down with uh, Bob Schieffer. And talked about the possibility of Jeb Bush running for president. So it's number 43, promoting his book that he wrote about number 41, talking about the possibility of number 45. Welcome back to Face the Nation. Former President George W. Bush has written a book about his dad, 41. And we went to his library in Dallas to talk with him about it. Many of you saw part one of that story on Sunday morning. In part two, the former president talked a little politics, including the possibility that his brother Jeb may run for president in 2016. You know, it's a lot of speculation about him. Uh, I occasionally fuel the speculation by uh, saying that I hope he runs. I think he'd be a very good president. I understand the decision-making process pretty well, and I'm, you know, I know that he's wrestling with the decision. If you had to make an estimate right now what 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 do you think is going to happen you think he's going I think to it's 50 50 he, he and I um, are very close on the other hand he's not here knocking on my door you know agonizing about the decision he he knows exactly uh, uh, you know the ramifications on family for example he's seen his dad and his brother uh, go through the presidency I would give it a I'd give it a toss-up uh, I, I, I know this about Jeb. Uh, he's not afraid to succeed. In other words, I think he, he knows he could do the job. And nor is he afraid to fail. For your brother, is it worth putting a family through? Yeah, it is. Is it? I think it is, yeah. I mean, it's, I put our family through it. Uh, and one of the lessons you learn from George H.W. Bush is that you can go into politics and still be a good father. In other words, the priorities of your life uh, don't have to be compromised. I know Jeb's priority is his family. A priority is his family. I also know it's his country. One thing, first, right off the top, is George W. Bush loves to say, in other words. He says something, and then, in other words, and then he says the same fucking thing again, like we didn't get it the first time. Right. <laughs> so, I guess it doesn't lead us any closer, but it's definitely Jeb Bush being in the conversation. Yeah, and you like him, so you're excited. Well, I don't, 
Well, you know. you're not opposed to him. That's right. At this point, I'm not opposed. I I, I don't uh, I don't hate him. I think that he was a very successful Florida governor. He was very well liked, and that's a tough state. Um, but we will see. I don't know a ton about him. You know? Right. Neither do I. If so, someone is an expert on Jeb Bush, call in, teach us. Yeah, let us know. I would like to know both what people think bad and good, because you can kind of glean from that. Right. And then in other news, Dr. Ben Carlson. Oh, there's so much buzz about him. I believe he's a neurosurgeon, very well educated, very smart man relative to his craft and his field. Uh, Johns Hopkins, he just retired, and... He had this to say to Whoopi Goldberg on The View. First of all, I, I, do you have presidential aspirations? It is not something that I desire to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, my hope is that someone will come along who excites uh, the people, mm-hmm. who really understands what America is about mm-hmm. and doesn't really want to change it into something else. And if that happens, then I won't do it but i have so many people asking me uh and as a patriotic american i i certainly have to think about it but it wasn't what i was thinking about when i retired oh Uh, so this was recent relatively recent yeah because i thought i thought he had made the announcement because that's how much buzz has been surrounding him that it almost seems like he had come out and made the announcement i don't like him and we're gonna get to why i don't like him but i don't i don't even like the way he talks and I know that's kind of a superficial thing, but you want some char- charisma in a leader. Right. Just like how I love how Rand Paul talks. Yeah, that's right. You love Rand Paul's he voice. He has great charisma in his voice. I'm I'm on board with it, Rand See, Paul. I, I'm I'm not into him his voice. Oh, I but, like the southern thing. But Dr. Ben Carlson is kind of a He's a nerd turd. <laughs> I expect when I hear his voice, I, I I just imagine he's holding an Xbox controller in his hands. <laughs> you know what I mean? He does sound a little distracted, I guess is yeah. a word. Well, about a year ago, maybe less than a year ago, he was on the the wonderful show, Sean Hannity. Mm, yeah. Can't get enough. Yeah, I know. Very, very good choice there, Dr. Ben Carlson. So he was on Sean Hannity's show and this transpired. We have the issue of this, the Supreme Court dealing with two issues involving gay marriage. I've asked you a lot of questions. I've never asked you that. What are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are that uh, marriage is between a man and a woman. It's a well-established fundamental pillar of society. And no group, uh, be they gays, be they NAMLA, uh, be they people who believe in bestiality, it, it doesn't matter what they are. They don't get to change the definition. So it's not something that's against gays. It's, it's against anybody who wants to come along yeah. and change the fundamental definitions of pillars of society. It has significant ramifications. You know, it's interesting because Justice Sotomayor brought up the issue of, of polygamy and incest. Where does the definition stop? And I guess we'll be debating it for the weeks and months to come. But Dr. Absolutely. Carson... Thank you for standing strong, and I'm sorry that you had to go through that treatment for just speaking your mind and, and being an individual. Thank you. It won't, won't be the end of it. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, welcome, welcome to my world. Good to see you. Uh, <laughs> uh, Goddamn. I, <laughs> wow. I had not heard that clip before you played it. As is the case with most of the clips that we play. And so I'm sitting here, 
And Jesse kind of references me like, oh, just wait, because he can see me already building. I'm pointing at my headphones like, listen, listen, listen. So (laughs) for those of you who don't know, he said, be it gays or NAMBLA. And NAMBLA is the North American Man-Boy Love Association. Which is a real thing. I know it sounds like a joke, but it is a real organization that promotes sexual relationships between grown men and young boys. Right. And the ACLU has been involved in lawsuits protecting NAMBLA. That's right. Going to bat for NAMBLA, which is why largely the ACLU is a terrible, terrible organization. So what Dr. Ben Carlson just did there was equate homosexuality with child molestation, which you see it all the time from people like Hannity. Well, and having sex with goats. Right. Or and dogs. bestiality. Right. right. And and they also mentioned incest. And they keep going. I love when uh, I love when people do this, when they take the conversation back. Well, where do we draw the line? We don't we honestly don't know. Yes, you do. You're not a dumb person, Sean Hannity. You know that when you're talking about homosexual relationships, you're talking about adults that can consent. When you're talking about pedophilia, you're talking about children that cannot consent. And same thing with incest. That's well, it's it's socially taboo. I mean, unless they're adults that are in incestuous relationships, but usually it's children. Right. Well, he, here's the thing. He, in the next clip I'm going to play, which you also <laughs> haven't heard, he addresses the people who claimed he was linking the three and calls them dummies. <laughs> when anybody who listens, it's the same thing that the duck asshole said. Uh, Phil Robertson, the Duck Dynasty. I'm guy. like the du- who's that? The Duck a hole. <laughs> he he did the same thing. If you if in the same sentence you mention gays, child rapists, and people who have sex with animals, there's a link there. We we know you're not stupid. As I would hope you don't think we're stupid. Well, it's like you always say, we all have the commonality of language. That's right. Right? And when you're making a statement and your sentence contains three subjects and you are just, if you were to write it and you were using commas while you're writing that sentence, you are grouping those subjects together. That's right. So this next clip was from the CPAC, which is the conservative... um, conference that they have every year in Washington, D.C. I will continue to defy the PC police who have tried in many cases to shut me up. You know, I actually find them pretty amusing. You know, I mean, I still believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. Um, You know, because because I happen to mention that nobody gets to change the definition of marriage and mention some other categories, they said, Carson said that gay marriage and bestiality are the same thing. Well, that's preposterous. Of course they're not the same thing. Anybody who believes that is, is a dummy. But anybody, <laughs> but anybody who believes somebody who says that somebody said that is a dummy. You know, that's the problem, okay? And then... Of course, gay people should have the same rights as everyone else, but they don't get extra rights. They don't get to redefine marriage. They don't get extra rights. That right there 
is a perversion of what the issue is. When gays, and here's the thing, this is old news because we are, we are past the point of no return where it relates to gays being able to marry those whom they love. Um, however, it points to what he believes deep in his heart. He, right. He believes that if two women want, they love one another and they both agree they want to join in union and be married to one another, that is an extra right. Right. And here's the thing. Republicans need to back away from this kind of thing, because if they want to really have a chance at winning in the election against a Democrat, they need to stop saying this kind of stuff. It's kind of like the Pope being more liberal. That's exactly right. To keep young Catholics in the church. If you want to keep Republicans voting for you, young people that are going to save you and make you president, you need to knock this off because it's it's not going anywhere. It's, it's counterproductive relative to the younger electorate. It, right. It, it's, it's only going to damn you and going to benefit the Democrats term after term after term because it makes you, well, it just, it, like, it's them, it's a tiger can't change its stripes, whether it relates to the Catholics or whether it relates to the Republican Party. And there has to be a, a true transformation. And I think it's going to happen through attrition. That the young, the young Republicans taking over, they don't feel the way that the old, stodgy, retired doctor feels. And he, here's my thing. If he does run for president, I don't want it to be off limits for them to ask, do you or do you not believe that being gay is a natural phenomenon, genetic component, or do you believe it's a choice? That is not a question that's off limits. It shouldn't be. And the media are such colossal pussies during Mitt Romney's campaign. No one would ask him legitimate questions about his religion. Mitt Romney, do you believe there's a planet at the center of our galaxy called Kolob where God lives? Yes or no? Do you believe that? I mean... Well, I definitely believe there should be like a science question segment. Yes. Yes. Do you believe in evolution? How old do you believe the earth is? Yeah. You know, are you a normal person? And <laughs> Well, it points to how rational someone is. Right. And and how willing they are to examine evidence, change their mind about new evidence that comes in. Yes. We want a president who's rational, who's fluid thinking, who can when they are presented with new evidence, they can change their mind. I mean, these are important characteristics very, to have in a leader. Very important. Because things change. The world changes. We live in a very fluid uh, society. Right. And we don't want someone who's so irrational that they're just constantly stuck in this archaic mindset. I also love, just as a last thing, when people like Hannity and Ben Carlson and even Democrats do this as well, they start to say stuff about the PC police and people attacking their opinions. Well, Hannity, why don't you have someone on? That can say, uh, oh, wait a minute. Let's talk about the consent, the differences between people being able to consent and the stuff that you're grouping together there. You always have someone on your show, Hannity, that never makes a solid argument against what you're saying. So then it's just average people that complain about what you said because you're not having anyone on your show that can have a legitimate debate with you. Right. And I, I think that that would be a good thing for our show. And I think we may have found that person, but I have to actually sit down and talk with them and hash it out and see if they'd be willing to be a regular contributor. Oh, right. Yeah. But the, that's more economic leaning. 
Well, it, for whatever. I mean, they're they're far more liberal than me. Right. And I, I wouldn't mind that pushback. I think it's good for the conversation. But Hannity's not about moving the conversation forward. Definitely not. Hannity's about his specific salty flavor of propaganda. That's what he's about. So, in other non-presidential news, but political news, Senator James Inhofe from Oklahoma, uh, a man with whom I worked, I didn't work for him, but I worked around him when I worked for the Senate on Capitol Hill. He's been there that long. Um, he said some pretty ridiculous things about global warming and climate change. Right. He uses the Old Testament to say... <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it gets funnier every time I hear it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. He uses the Old Testament <laughs> as... Oh, my God. Let me read. I just spit out my drink. <laughs> he uses the Old Testament to prove that God would not allow global warming. Wow. He says, quote... The Genesis 8.22 that I use in there is that as long as the earth remains, there will be seed, time, and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night. My point is, God's still up there. The arrogance of people to think that we, human beings, would be able to change what he is doing in the climate is, to me, outrageous. Wow. I lost... Any little respect I did have for him as a rational thinker. Listen, this is, this is problematic. This is a United States senator. A duly, legally elected representative for the entire state of Oklahoma. Which, let's not make any illusions, it is the most conservative state in the union. It makes Idaho look like Berkeley, California. Right. Very, very conservative. Um, but still, this is, this is a wild, you cannot base public policy, public science policy around a single scripture in the Old Testament that was written thousands of years ago. He's a fucking nutter. Yeah, it's really disappointing. I mean, come on, you're going to discredit all the scientists, all the research, all the science, because right. the Old Testament says something. I mean, really, guy? Come on. I mean, he's old, but that's just no excuse. He's not that old. I mean, he's old, but he's not like Strom Thurmond old. He's not like 100 years old. Yeah, he's not decrepit. Yeah, he's probably 65 years old. Right. I mean, he's... God damn. That's, it's dangerous. And it he's is. Not, it's not like he's, he's an island unto himself with the nuttiness. The, the People like this exist. It's It's... Well, he wrote a book about it. It's scary. Yeah, he wrote Ugh. a book about it, a book challenging climate change. I don't know how he wrote an entire book when his argument is that. It's probably that scripture on every page. <laughs> Seriously, this is what I mean. God wouldn't allow it. So speaking of religious nutters, we're going to move on. Uh, we've talked about this asshole on the show before. We should have like a, a, an asshole each episode that we feature. Maybe, yeah, you know that would be good. Yeah, like a he'd get a trophy we'd and to... create a theme song for it. Oh yeah, yeah. Hey, audience! God, that was great. Yeah, look at you. If someone is creative and would like to create a new segment uh, transition piece, yeah, a hole of the day, a, a hole of the day, or a hole of the week, you could name it. Yeah, you could name it. I just said that. I know. I'm. I have nothing. 
I have nothing original to add. Wow. I just mimic you. <laughs> you can name it. <laughs> that would be great. Oh, so you, you could create it and email it to I doubt it. Uh, at you can Dollam. email it to I doubt. I'm just would kidding. You stop? <laughs> I doubt it at dollamore.com. Don't do it. Uh, I was talking to her, not the audience. If you if you could do that, that would be awesome. I would love enlisting the help of our creative, wonderfully creative audience. So that would be great. But anyway, this week's asshole, this episode's asshole, we've talked about before. Anjum Chowdhury. He's the one who was on the show and before he... Brian Stelzer. Right. And before he was going to be interviewed, he was doing a countdown in which... He was doing a mic test where you're like one, two, three... Testing, testing. Right, and he said 9 9-11. 9-11, 7-11, 9-9, or whatever those dates were that were correlated to specific terrorist attacks where people died. Right, so and he's, then... He's a, a, a dirty, filthy prick. Yeah, and he tried to say he was just being funny, and the interview ended up not happening. Anyway, it was really interesting. So he is now saying that he would renounce his British citizenship and live under the rule of Islamic state. If he was guaranteed safe passage by the authorities. So he wants to go live. Well, if I was Britain, I would get all over that. Get him the fuck out of my country. Mr. Chowdhury told the Times that he would have already traveled to the territory in Syria or Iraq controlled by the jihadists if the police had returned his passport. It was seized in September when he was arrested on suspicion of being a member of a prescribed organization. He was released on bail with strict conditions and denies wrongdoing. I highly doubt that. He seems like a very not trustworthy character. Yeah, he's well, he's a terrible person. I mean, he he he's the worst parts of the Quran. He 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 stands behind those parts. It's not like yeah, yeah, that was cultural. You got to put it in context. He's not one of those guys. He's uh, yeah, that's the way it should be. Yeah, so go live with the jihadists. That's great. Yeah, fuck, get get him the fuck out of here. Then maybe Obama could kill him with the drone. Yeah, and then maybe we won't have to see him on TV making jokes about 9-11 ever again. Oh, damn. So funny news. I know we shit on Olive Garden quite a bit on the show, or we have in past episodes, and I think it's maybe justified, but also funny. We talked about a guy who paid $100 for a gift certificate for... Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Three meals a day. For how long? A year. A year. For a year. And he has already... Eaten fifteen hundred dollars worth of food, and seems happy, looks relatively healthy, and reports no diarrhea. Or he <laughs> hasn't reported any diarrhea. It's not that it's not happening. It's just he hasn't talked about it. Right. He did an interview with Salon. I'm going to read a couple of interesting parts. Yeah. And he's not very exciting, but it's kind of interesting. He says, "I have not had one meal that was not just perfect." Uh, yikes. I-, I would like to know what his standard of perfect is, because it's clearly it he doesn't know what perfect means. Right. So they kind of asked his daily routine. And so he says he goes to Olive Garden every day at 11 o'clock when it opens. He's the first one there and he's the <laughs> first one to eat. And then apparently he goes back at 5 p.m. And then they close at 11. So he goes back at around 10. So he's getting his three meals every single day. And he is a pastor. Does he have to take a blood thinner? Because I can't imagine that blood is not just thick, crazy Alfredo sauce. Gross. He's a pastor. 
He's a minister. Yeah. I said pastor, but I meant minister. And so he's eating the three meals a day. He said that he doesn't always eat all of them, that it's a lot. So he's been kind of freeze freezing them, uh, vacuum packaging. What's the thing? vacuum sealing it and then putting it in the freezer he says he has like 30 meals in the freezer (laughs) and then he also said that he's given this is how he phrases it seven eight nine or ten meals away oh right nice because he's a minister and loves to help people out so he has the 30 meals frozen for himself later but he's given seven seven, eight nine or ten away very funny and he told a story of giving one to a, a homeless guy and he was super excited and that was nice. And so he says that he's getting a great value because all of his meals come with breadsticks, salad and soup. <laughs> so ever all the three meals that he gets, he's also getting the breadsticks, salad and the soup. This can't be good for him. But he tries to say that he knows that's surprising to everybody, but he gets gluten free pasta. And so? so he hasn't gained any weight, he says. Because of the gluten-free pasta. Uh, what an, we, I really want this guy on the show. I want to ask him. I really want to ask him some questions. I'd also like our, our listeners to, to, to pose some questions for him, whether they tweet us and whatever. But we, we got to get this guy on the show. Apparently, gluten-free pasta is like magic. It is. It's a magical. It's like eating the ass end of a unicorn. Yeah. It has very, very significant health benefits. Right. It makes pasta <laughs> very nutritious. Yes. It's basically like eating kale. Yeah. Especially their pasta. Yeah. Yeah. Huh, well, this isn't the only time that Olive Garden was in the news this week, though. Apparently, um, some kind of a hedge fund or... It's an activist hedge fund that published a 294-page manifesto against Olive Garden. And their menu and their management. Yeah, yeah. It was scathing. So it's it's not good. And we're going to post this link up so you guys can look at it. They post pictures of the advertisements versus the actual food. Yeah, like photos uh, that, that have been taken by clearly like food designers who take the pictures of the of their dishes. Right. For example, like the lasagna primavera with grilled chicken, the Picture on the website looks great. It looks delicious. Of course. And then the one in the restaurant, I can't tell what that is. Yeah, it just... It could be a raccoon covered in Parmesan cheese, for all I know. (laughs) Which would be terrifying. (laughs) That would be horrible. (laughs) But that's... It could very well be that. That's what it looks like. (laughs) A raccoon covered in Parmesan cheese. Yeah. When you guys see the picture, you'll understand. Which I'm assuming isn't authentic Italian. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) That's the other issue... (laughs) That's the other issue. <laughs> That's the other issue they had. Where do you, where do you come up with this shit? <laughs> That's the other issue they had is that a lot of the meals are not authentic Italian yeah. dishes, which no one is surprised by that. That's yeah, just kind of uh, what we know raccoons, about Olive Garden. Not, I don't think that's even indigenous species in, in right. Italy. For example, they have fried lasagna bites. Yeah, what? come on. That's one of the criticisms that the hedge fund had was that too much fried bullshit going on. Right, they said that they need to reduce the fryer use and a lot. They need to go back to authentic, like they serve some kind of an appetizer that they call Tuscan hummus with chips. That's not Italian. That's Middle Eastern and North African. That's that's not Italian. Right. Hummus. Right, I don't... You can't put the word Tuscan in front of it and then make it Italian. Yeah, right. And then they also did a thing where they took pictures of what they were served in San Francisco and then in New York... 
in all, different Olive Gardens. Yeah, and vastly different. And the food so presentation's like, not the same. The same dish. They would take a, a picture of dish X from a San Francisco restaurant and a New York City restaurant, and they didn't even look like the same fucking thing. Right. It was a trout dish, which is that uh, Italian? Yeah, I'm sure. Who knows? Okay. Anyway. They also complained about them spending unnecessary money on their logo change. Which I thought was, I thought the new logo was stupid. Yeah, it looks dumb. It looks terrible. I didn't know they did that, but it's because, you know, we don't eat at Olive Garden. The other one looked more Italian and authentic. Yeah, more welcoming, more. It looked uh, Tuscan. Yeah, just put Tuscan in front of it. Yeah. So speaking of speaking of food and dining options, apparently the city of Fort, uh, Fort Lauderdale does not want people sharing food in public, and it's a direct result of them trying to combat people feeding the homeless. Arnold Abbott is a is an adorable old man, for sure, adorable, and he has been feeding the homeless in a public park in South Florida as an active charity for years. He's over 90 years old. Yes, he is a 90-year-old man. He wears a white chef's apron, and he serves up gourmet-styled meals. And now, that's considered committing a crime. Yeah, he's been arrested, or at least uh, cited, and faces time in jail for serving the homeless. And my issue with this, they just, they've passed several, they've passed several um, ordinances, trying to combat their homeless issue. Um, it's restricting public feeding is what the new ordinance is. And Abbott, the adorable 90-year-old man, and then two other ministers were arrested last weekend because they were serving food to the homeless. And they're facing 60 days in jail. Wow. And a $500 fine for feeding the homeless in a park. One of the other ordinances that they've passed related not to food but something else but to the homeless was uh, the, the article says the commissioners have already passed an ordinance giving police the authority to confiscate a homeless person's possessions after a 24-hour notice and to keep the possessions in storage until the person, the homeless person either pays a fee or can prove that he or she has no means to pay the fee. My whole issue with it, look, listen, every municipality across this country w w of any size is going to have an issue with homelessness. Boise, Idaho, not a big town. They have a homeless issue. Spokane, Washington, where we just were. They have a, 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 a even larger homeless uh, problem. That's the cost of doing business when you're a bigger city. You don't get to violate people's rights just because they don't have a home. Right. Or someone else's rights that does have a home because they want to help those people. Right. You've got to be more creative with regard to creating, well, let me put it this way. If I want to share my sandwich with a homeless guy and I'm standing in whatever park, it's against the law. I, that's none of your business, government. Well, also, how are they supposed to prove that they don't have enough money to pay the fine. That other you talk about that that other ordinance. Right. Are they supposed to just turn their pockets inside out and <laughs> right, like frown right. or something? Yeah, right, right. I, how do you prove you have no money? I think you have to to have in your possession the stick with the handkerchief filled with your belongings on the end. <laughs> right. Because then they know you're a hobo. Right. But a shopping cart's not good enough. Yeah. It, 
listen, you got to be creative. You're going to have to govern with both integrity and creativity. You don't just get to tell people you're not allowed to feed the homeless. They're not animals in a fucking zoo. Don't feed the bears. That's, that's not, that's not the world in which we live. You don't get to violate my rights of free association, my rights to do with the, the pro, the, my food that I own. If I want to give it to someone, I'll give it to someone. Uh, they got a problem on their hands here constitutionally, for sure. Yeah, so Chef Abbott recalled that when he was being arrested, one of the officers said to him, drop that plate right now. <laughs> As if he was carrying a weapon or something. Right, It's right. just ridiculous. It's something you would see like on Family Guy or something. It's it's ridiculous. But the arrests haven't deterred him. In fact, after he was arrested, he went out again the same week and was serving food to the homeless again. Good. And he said that the police were videotaping him as he served up fresh cooked entrees, a chicken and vegetable dish with broccoli sauce, and a cubed ham and pasta dish. Um, Abbott said he topped it with a beautiful white onion celery sauce. Wow. It does sound delicious. I would have to see it because even Olive Garden can make their food sound appealing by describing it. All right. That's true. So (laughs) we are a huge fan of Arnold Abbott and the police need to knock it off. Maybe our audience needs to also develop an hero of the week. Oh, yeah. That would be nice. Yeah. We're just going to have the whole show is going to become 10,000 segments. Well, I have to rely on I'm not creative. So... I need the the creativity of of our talented, loyal, interested audience to to come through for us, because I fucking don't got it going on. I'm just a, a mouth that flaps and words fall out. Yeah, and then I just repeat. mimic what you say. You repeat those words. <laughs> <laughs> talented, everybody. Talented. Well, we're gonna leave it there. This has gone a little long. Listen. Go to dollamore.com. Up in the top right-hand corner, there's a, there's a little link that says support the show. Go there. Pick your poison. If you got a few extra pennies that you'd like to, to throw our way, the patreon.com slash I doubt it with dollamore page would be perfect for that. If you're going to spend your money anyway buying something on Amazon, use the search bar because that is what it's there for. Until next time, until episode 72, can you believe we're here? Thanks for listening, everybody. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. It could be a raccoon covered in Parmesan cheese, for all I know. (laughs) 